Blog Talk Radio. Blog Talk Radio. Live from Los Angeles, the Win Without Competing Show with Dr. Arlene Barrow, host and creator of the Right Fit Method, the key to professional and personal success. Now, let's join Dr. Arlene. Welcome to Win Without Competing. Today, I will reveal what you need to do to persuade decision makers to hire you. Wouldn't it be wonderful to know how to dazzle employers and receive multiple offers? The key is your DMIQ, which is your decision maker's IQ. I expect you're saying, what's that? I created it, of course. You need to understand how decision makers think so that you can act accordingly. To capture the position that you want, you must have a high DMIQ. Let's figure out what your DMIQ is right now. Take a piece of paper and write the numbers 1 through 10 in a column on the left side of the page. I will read 10 statements. Next to each number, write T if the statement is true or F if it is false. If you answer all the questions correctly, your DMIQ will be 200. Here we go. Question one, employers have a clear and well-defined understanding of the openings they seek to fill. Again, employers have a clear and well-defined understanding of the openings they seek to fill. True or false? Question two, it is the employer's responsibility to take charge of the interview. Again, it is the employer's responsibility to take charge of the interview. True or false? Question three, the candidate should wait for the employer to voice objections or concerns about qualifications, accomplishments, or experience. Again, the candidate should wait for the employer to voice objections or concerns about qualifications, accomplishments, or experience. True or false? Question four. The candidate should ask a limited number of questions. Again, the candidate should ask a limited number of questions. True or false? Question five. Compensation should only be discussed at the time the employer extends an offer. Again, compensation should only be discussed at the time the employer extends an offer. True or false? Question six. It is the responsibility of the candidate to answer all the questions that the employer asks. Again, it is the responsibility of the candidate to answer all the questions 
that the employer asks, true or false. Question seven. The candidate's resume should focus on process or the task performed at work. Again, the candidate's resume should focus on process or the task performed at work, true or false. Question eight. The candidate's resume should be written using the so-called resume language. Again, the candidate's resume should be written using the so-called resume language. True or false? Question nine. The candidate should carefully follow online instructions to apply for a position, which could include no phone calls to the employer. Again, the candidate should carefully follow online instructions to apply for a position, which could include no phone calls to the employer. True or false? The last question, question 10. The candidate should expect the employer to interview many candidates. Again, the candidate should expect the employer to interview many candidates. True or false? Let's see what you know about persuading decision makers to hire you. Ready? Let's start again. Question one, employers have a clear and well-defined understanding of the openings they seek to fill. False. Quite often, employers do not have a well-defined understanding of the openings. In fact, that's one of the reasons why they interview lots of candidates in hopes of figuring out by comparing and contrasting the candidates, who is the right fit? In my world, for those of you who listen to my show on an ongoing basis, and by the way, this is radio show episode 69, I do not believe in the standard of best. I created the standard of the right fit which means in my world, you don't compare and contrast. Instead, you create a blueprint of the right fit and match to that blueprint. That's what we need employers to do so that you would know ahead of time what is the blueprint of the right fit. Question two. It is the employer's responsibility to take charge of the interview. False. Absolutely not. It is the candidate's responsibility to take charge of the interview. Now, what do I mean by that? I'm talking about a subtle approach where the candidate has in mind questions to ask using my pick probe and pitch strategies to learn more about the opportunity and to match to the position. That's what you need to do. 
If you take that approach, you will show the employer what you're all about, not just how you match, but how you think. Interestingly enough, and perhaps you may, may or not believe, may or may not believe, that candidates take positions and subsequently find out about the position later on. I know of a situation where a high-level financial executive assumed a position and after the fact learned that a particular department would be part of his responsibility. Obviously, he didn't pick, probe, and pitch. You don't want surprises. You want to know the scope of the position, your responsibilities, etc. Going further. Question three. The candidate should wait for the employer to voice objections or concerns about qualifications, accomplishments, or experience. False. Absolutely not. It's up to the candidate early on in the interview process to overcome what I refer to as the silent questions or the deceptive questions. The silent questions are questions that the employer does not voice. The employer could be thinking about it and not necessarily share it with the candidate. That's not good. You have to figure out what could be the employer's objections if, in fact, the employer never voices them. So, early on in the interview, after you figured out a potential objection, such as self-employed and you want to become an employee, short stints, changing careers, changing industries, everyone has some objections that an employer could select to focus on, which would then subsequently prevent the employer from focusing on you and whether you are the right fit for the opportunity. So early on, weave in the answers to the silent or the unstated questions. Now, the deceptive question. If you're asked, what causes you stress at work? Now, are you going to start to list all the things that cause you stress at work? I know of someone, when asked that question, started to give a whole story about attending meetings where people start to argue and he found it very upsetting and he would stand up and try to get the meeting back on track. After he went through how this kind of environment caused him stress, he was no longer under consideration for a position for which he was about to get an offer. Question four. The candidate should ask a limited number of questions. 
Absolutely not. False. You need to ask as many questions in order to get an understanding of the opportunity. Now, obviously, you're going to be allowing the employer to speak. When I say take charge of the interview, I'm talking about it in a way that the employer does not see you as taking charge of the interview. You need to practice what I call manage the process. So, you need to talk, think about two different kinds of questions, convergent questions and divergent questions. If I ask you the time and you tell me it's 6 p.m., that's a convergent question. There's one answer. If I say, tell me all the different ways that you can drive from New York City to Los Angeles. That's a divergent thinking question. Think about it. Let's go further. Question five. Compensation should only be discussed at the time the employer extends an offer. Absolutely not. False. Early on in the interview process, find out about compensation. If a search firm contacts you about a position, that should be a question that you ask early on in your interview with a search firm. You must know what the compensation is. Don't waste your time. If the compensation is not acceptable to you and you would not accept an offer with the stated compensation and there's no wiggle room, do not proceed. Do not waste your time. Do not waste the employer's time. Question six, it is the responsibility of the candidate to answer all the questions that the employer asks. False. Absolutely not. If the employer starts to ask personal questions that are not appropriate, such as your home life, related to that, married, divorced, children, you don't need to ask those questions. Instead of saying, I won't ask those questions, just switch the employer to another subject. Question seven. The candidate's resume should focus on process or the task performed at work. False. Your resume must focus in on results. Employers want to know what you achieved or what you accomplished for your previous employers thinking about what you could accomplish for them. So, focus on results. In some professions, process is extremely important. For example, for financial executives, they do a lot of work whereby the process is looked at and evaluated as to whether they use the correct processes. 
There are certain principles that they're supposed to implement. In that situation, process should be included, but stated succinctly. Again, results should be the focus. Question 8. The candidate's resume should be written using the so-called resume language. I, of course, coined the term resume language. What do I mean by that? I mean that people keep using the same words over and over and over again. And what happens is that everybody's resume starts to look alike. I understand that candidates use some of the words specifically because they want to put in keywords. Keep in mind that you don't want to blend in. You need to stand out. You need a brand. A resume without a brand is not going to benefit you significantly when you're searching for a position. A resume in and of itself is not a brand. The brand needs to be explicitly stated within the resume. When I work with my coaching clients, that's one of the first things that we do together is to figure out the candidate or the client's brand. Question nine. The candidate should carefully follow online instructions to apply for a position, which could include no phone calls to the employer. False. Think about it to yourself. Employers receive a sea of resumes. It's not easy to sort them out, especially if they're all looking the same. Keeping that in mind, it's very important for you to learn how to make a cold call. And I'll talk a bit about that in a minute. Question 10. The candidate should expect the employer to interview many candidates. False. That's just plain not true. The employer does not need to interview lots of candidates. When I do an executive search, I present one candidate, the right fit candidate, and close the search. When you go out on an interview, at your first in-person interview, that should be your goal, to present yourself as the one right fit and convince the employer not to want to interview anyone else. I wrote Win Without Competing to teach you how to do that. Going further. To calculate your DMIQ, give yourself 20 points for each correct answer. If your DMIQ is 200, please email me at drbarro at winwithoutcompeting.com. That's Dr. Barrow at winwithoutcompeting.com. 
or call me at 310-443-4277. I would like you to introduce yourself to me. If you got all 10 questions correct and have a 200 DMIQ. In a nutshell, to capture the job that you want, you must at an interview exude confidence by managing the process and using my pick, probe, and pitch strategy. You must broadcast your brand to match the position. You must identify the decision makers quickly so you know what to say to whom. You must eliminate objections or concerns early on in the interview by cleverly weaving in the answers to the unstated questions. You must read between the lines and effectively use that information to pitch yourself. You must focus on positive results. If you are having difficulty now getting interviews, you must think outside the box. Don't hide behind the veil of email. Start making cold calls to present yourself. I know a lot of people don't like to make cold calls, but I'm going to confide in you. I just absolutely love it. I visualize an interesting person at the other end of the phone, and I just go right to it and start calling. A little tip to help you. Next to the phone, place a photo of someone that makes you feel really comfortable. Look at that photo before you make your phone call. That will help you. Before beginning your job search, ask yourself the following questions. Will my resume make employers dizzy? I have looked at hundreds of resumes. Many make me dizzy. They are filled with charts, graphs, and boxes. Your resume is not a newsletter or newspaper. Your resume must contain a brand and be exquisitely laid out. Interestingly enough, a recent coaching client of mine had sent the resume that he prepared to a search firm. They took it and presented to an employer. The employer said, absolutely not interested. Then he went back to the same search firm, took the resume package with the branding that he and I had created, and the employer said, absolutely want to talk with him right now. At the interview, he re- as he reported to me, they kept reading from his resume package. Think about what I just said. Question two, do I know how to structure my day? Remember, you're launching a campaign like a presidential campaign. You want to figure out in advance how to divide the day up into segments. So, for example, decide when you're going to make your phone calls, when you're going to do your social networking, when you're going to respond to email. Each person has a different approach. I personally like to make phone calls during the day 
and do whatever writing I need to do during the day. And then at night, I like responding to email. Everybody has their own way of doing things. Be very sure that you don't get caught up in what I call the veil of email. Hiding behind email rather than going out to events, to network, picking up the phone to call. It's very important for people to meet you and to know who you are. Think about how the presidential candidates are presenting themselves. In the same way as they have launched their campaigns, so must you. Ask yourself, do I know how to convince an employee to hire me? I recommend that you listen to my March 14, 2012 radio show, Pick Powerful Words That Work. On that show, I talk about how to use the words impact, imagine, and visualize to achieve a specific business or career objective. After you incorporate these three words in your conversations, you will start to use other words that will connect you to the listener. Remember, we have five senses. Connect with all five and score a home run. Be sure to listen to that show. Note that you can also use my powerful word picks in your written communications. I suggest saying them first so you can watch the impact on your listeners. In other words, test it out before you go out on an interview. And of course, stay in touch with me. Here's a new word for your toolbox of words. So I've given you three, You're going, which are impact, imagine, and visualize. You'll learn more how to use them on the radio show. And then let's add the new one, results. But of course, we want to add another word with it, which is positive results. Not just results, positive results. Communicating effectively is a complex task. On my February 22, 2012 radio show, Oops, I Have No Brand, I discuss how to brand your brand with my Right Fit Method. I recommend listening to that show next. If the world of words and their impact fascinates you, I suggest that you subscribe to my newsletter. To do that, visit winwithoutcompeting.com, which is the website for my book, Win Without Competing. Click on the word you and again on newsletter. You can read the archived newsletters as well as subscribe. While on the Win site, You can read about my book, Win Without Competing, nominated for Business Book Award, my Right Fit Method, and my coaching services. To learn more about my company, Barrow Global Search, Inc., visit barrowglobal.com. That's B-A-R-R-O-G-L-O-B-A-L.com. To listen to more radio shows, visit drbarrow.com. That's D-R-B-A-R-R-O dot com. 
To glance at all the ways you can learn my Right Fit Method, visit drarlenerightfitmethod.com. That's D-O-C-T-O-R-A-R-L-E-N-E-R-I-G-H-T-F-I-T-M-E-T-H-O-D.com. I coach clients nationwide by phone to discuss your specific care, career, or business needs. Call my office, 310-443-4277, to arrange a time to speak with me, or email Dr. Barrow at winwithoutcompeting.com. If you want to stand out, I recommend that you call me. I have a sea of email. Of course, if you want to share your resume or other written information, please email that to resumes at barrowglobal.com. Want to meet with me in person? I do meet with clients. The address of my company, Barrow Global Search, Inc., is 10940 Wilshire Boulevard, Suite 1600, Los Angeles, California, 90024. Our offices are within walking distance of UCLA. To listen to my next radio show, please join me again in May at the same time. For the date and time, visit For the date and topic, visit drbarro.com. Remember this trigger tip. Strive for a DMIQ of 200. Thank you for listening to the Win Without Competing show. Bye for now, Dr. Arlene.